When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of GC Live Talking Tuesday Night. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuba. Appreciate you guys tuning in as always, as we don't have a game to talk about this week, but there's still plenty to talk about at South Carolina. Heads into the off week with a record of two and three, coming off a very disappointing loss this past weekend against Tennessee. We will get into that. We will get into where this program is as they head into this idle week. We'll also be joined by Gamecock 2024 quarterback commit Dante Reno. He'll be joining us shortly to share his thoughts on just what he's been up to, how the season's been going for him, some recruiting stuff that maybe he can share with us, as well as just his overall thoughts about USC. So I think it's always good to have a player talk about those things because I think, you know, it doesn't make a weekend like we just saw this past weekend go away completely. But I think some people get worried about recruits sometimes. So it's always neat to hear from a, a prospect when it comes to those things. We've heard from him in the past, uh, both wins and losses from Dante. So having said all that, Joe, mm-hmm. I'm going to make the floor yours to begin. Where is just your thoughts on where this program is as we head into this idle week? Not talking about the state of the program, but the state of the 2023 team. Yeah, Mike, um, it, it is kind of a loaded question, but it is the bye week and there were no press conferences today. So it is a good time to just kind of evaluate where South Carolina is compared to everywhere else in the country. Um, and for me, I think they're in a you know a pretty good spot. Um, if you consider just how, how Shane has been recruiting, he's been on fire. He's been getting some of the right guys. You're seeing that um, really early on, um, you know, I was thinking we would see some of the quality of these recruits or we would see, you know, how good really are some of these recruits that you're bringing in, you know, that was going to be a question, you know, for a little bit into this year, but a little bit more into next year. But now that you have tree and and Trovon Baugh both playing a lot, you're starting to see the, the, the quality of these players that Shane is recruiting and, you know, the way that those two freshmen have performed, it should excite you. Number one, um, and number two, I mean, just with this season in general, this team got, you know, beat pretty badly up in Knoxville. You know, it, it wasn't the best of game. You needed to perform on all fronts, and you knew how well their defense was going to play. And I talked about it a lot in the walkthrough. This defense is no that, – that Tennessee defense is no joke, right? We, we talk about how vulnerable they are with the offense. And, sure, you can't win a lot of games if you can't score the points. But when your defense plays as lights out as, you, as they did against South Carolina – it, it gives you a really, really good chance to win. And, you know, it, I don't I don't pin this on the offensive line as much as I do. It's it's more of the quality of Tennessee's defense. And so going into this bye week, Mike, for me at least, what you want to see from this team is just 
find ways to put it all together, right? We've seen different position groups and different phases play really, really, really well and play good enough to win a game, but they've been lacking in other areas and which ultimately costs them some of these games, right? We go, we go to Georgia, you know, you get shut out in the second half and, you know, different units have to play better. And, and same goes with the defense, right? In Mississippi State, we know the secondary didn't play well. And then sure enough, they show up against Tennessee, but then you couldn't stop the run. So this bye week is going to be good for this team because, you know, they get to go home, take a little break from football, and, and ultimately just just kind of relax a little bit and, and figure out a way that, that you can have everybody on the same page and playing up to the standard that you know you can. Because if, if everyone's on the same page, this team is up there. I mean, they, they were, you know, beating Georgia – 14 to three at half and, and they can hang with really anybody in the sec, which is the best conference in football. So saying that, like I, I it, it shows, right. If, if you can put it all together, you can beat anybody in the country. And so that should give you some hope, some excitement. If you're a South Carolina fan, because you know, you have the talent to do it. It's just, it takes a little bit more to get on the same page and everyone be cohesive, right? Like obviously the really, really good teams are going to be able to have more mistakes and stuff like that. But South Carolina, they're in a great spot. I mean, quarterback hasn't been an issue. And and that is certainly, certainly a luxury that, that you can have, especially in the SEC. Spencer's been so good up until this point. Um, and so when you have the quarterback, it's really everything else around him that needs to click. And for South Carolina, when you're as young as you are and, and not as deep in some spots, it's really, really hard to have every phase of the game on the same page. So going into the bye week, Mike, that's that's what you got to fix up. And and that's kind of my state of the team, right? You can hang with any team in the country, but you have to do more work to get everyone on the same page, whether that be coaching, whether that be just interior, like the guys coaching each other up, um, morale of the units in particular. I'm not sure what exactly. I think all of it for that matter. Um, but you got to figure out a way to get everyone on the same page and execute because that's what you need to do to win some of these games. Coming up, they have a lot of tough ones. Florida, Mizzou, Kentucky. I mean, in those teams, their their harder schedule is is ahead of them and, and before they get to South Carolina. So we'll really see what kind of teams that they are before they get to play the Gamecocks. But nonetheless, they are still very good and quality SEC opponents that are going to be dogfights. So you, you got to find a way to get everyone on the side. I'm going to nitpick on something you said. They're not in a great spot. They're not in a great spot. They're not in a great spot for the last point you brought up. They have a difficult schedule coming up. You look at the schedule coming up. Florida. After the bye week, then you got to go to Missouri, who's ranked number 21. Then you got to go to Texas A&M. You got Jacksonville State, Vandy, Kentucky, and Clemson after that. Even that Jacksonville State game, even though it's a against an FCS opponent, that's one of the better ones. And I'm not saying South Carolina shouldn't win that game. They should win that game. But my whole point is you look at what is coming up. Again, one, two, three, four, five. And then you got obviously Clemson to close out the year. Other than Vandy, and Vandy is shown at times that they're not the doormat that they used to be. That's not to say that they're not, you know, they're a great team by any means. What I'm trying to get at, though, is when you combine that, when you look at that, when you look at what is coming up for South Carolina on the back half of the schedule, combined with the issues that are not going to go anywhere, the first issue is the lack of depth. This extra week, yes, it is going to help, hopefully, in terms of being able to get some of these guys more experience. But at the same time, too, as we've seen, and when they're already banged up in certain areas to the point where a bye week's not going to help you. So I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, but my whole point is this. This bye week could not have come at a better time for USC, okay? But it only gets tougher from here on out, and that's the scary part. That's the scary part. 
that if they're not able to figure out some of these things, right? And it's the lack of consistency is what really stands out to me, Joe, because yeah. you bring up some things that I think when we look at it from a realistic standpoint, it's just the reality. Now, having said all that, the reality being it's a young team. They're thin in, in certain areas. Injuries have not helped them throughout the first couple of weeks of the season. But the frustrating part to me about everything is, well, you're not going to be able to correct everything in the course of a season, especially through the first five weeks, especially when you have as many flaws as we saw week one against North Carolina. They have done some good things at times, right? We talk about the offensive line play, but it hasn't been consistent enough. Against Tennessee, as you mentioned, probably one of the better defenses they're going to see, all right, especially that front. But what Tennessee did in that game, if you go back and watch, they didn't respect your rushing attack the way that Mississippi State had to. So I point that out because it can't just be the Spencer Rattler show. As good as he is, I don't care if it's Joe Montana, Tom Brady, but it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. He's going to get freaking killed, number one. But number two, you're not going to be able to give him time to do the things that he's been doing through the first couple weeks of the season. So that's what scares me is that if they're not able to, if they're not able to give their quarterback time, okay, if they're not able to figure out, and that extra week will hopefully help out a little bit, but if they're not able to do that on top of being able to get healthy at certain positions, this could go really, really south quickly. And I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy, but again – but it's just the reality of it. Having said all that, okay, wanted to bring up the negative stuff first, Joe. I don't want people to just think I'm out here just going to say, okay, everything's all sunshine and rainbows, everything's good. No, 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 okay? What I'm trying to get at is, though, as they head into this bye week, if you're able to address some of these areas, if you're able to get healthy in some of these areas, and you're able to come out and you're able to get a win against Florida in 3-3, three and three, yes, you still have a difficult task coming up with the schedule two of your furthest opponents when it comes to sec play you got to play them in back-to-back weeks at their universities that's not going to be easy that is why this bye week more than anything being able to just friggin' figure out what it's going to take to be able to correct some of these inconsistencies that's what it comes down to because they've shown that they can do good things they've shown it against power five teams they showed it in the first half against georgia this isn't a lost cause team. And I know we live in a, in a world where it feels like, okay, if things aren't going well, it has to be either this way or it has to be that way. No, 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 no. Okay. This South Carolina team, they have their flaws, just like every team in the freaking country. And a lot of the flaws that we've seen leading up to this point, they should not surprise you. They should not. We've talked about how young they are, the lack of depth. We've talked about the, uh, struggles that they were probably going to have at the offensive line. But the frustrating part to me, Joe, is the fact that they've made progress in some areas to a point where they at least can give Rattler time. They can at least be competitive on the field, but it's not consistent enough. So consistency, and I know that's a really vague phrase that I can use, right? But it's that's the big thing, is just being more consistent. If you can show it one week, can you do it again the next never mind the fact that they lost against Tennessee. The spread was like 11 and a half. And I bring that up just to show you because some people thought that was high. South Carolina, until right before the half, that pick six, which I still don't understand the play call, but it is what it is. Yeah. After that, the game wasn't competitive. It wasn't competitive after that. And that's the frustrating part because, again, lack of consistency. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And it was kind of funny because I, I gave the, the brighter side of this lack of consistency thing. And then you were able oh, to. Oh, I, I know. I got it. Like, like, good cop, bad cop. And, well, and gotta, you know, look, Joe. You make a great point. Because but we have to, but I think that's the reality of it is, and people have been watching our show going back to even last year, right? I could easily come out, and I agree with a lot of the things that you did say. I don't think yeah. things are as bad, kind of like what the old, the old saying is yeah. with tape, right? You know, when you go back and watch the game film, it's not as bad as it probably was, and it's not as good as it probably was. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And although that loss felt really bad, and it should feel really bad, yeah. You know, you get your teeth kicked in in a lot of different areas. But the thing about it is, and this is the part that I know fans roll their eyes at, a lot of it is correctable, right? A lot of it is correctable, but some of it, too, just comes down to just freaking having to execute. It's not as simple. I, I know the easy thing to do in college sports, and I'm so sick and tired of it, because it's not going to do you any good week five, week six of the season, Right. Oh, fire this guy, fire that guy. It, it's not as loud this year, maybe, you know, from a defensive standpoint, because it comes to the territory. And I'm not telling you things haven't been, you know, they couldn't be better on the defensive side of the ball. They're not going to do that right now, okay? So instead of just yelling at a cloud, instead of just, you know, reading what some schmuck says on Twitter and just rolling with that, okay? Instead of that, go into this freaking bye week and figure things out. Because if they don't get better in certain areas, yeah, you want to pound your chest, have at it with that then, okay? The bye week could not have come at a better time for South Carolina. Could not have come at a better time. You look back to last season, and it's not the exact same, but I think back, Joe, right? When you look back to last season for this Gamecock team, they started the year off one and two. Then you had Charlotte, then you had South Carolina State. Their bye week was a little bit different last year because they were able to gain some momentum. And they went into uh, Texas A&M, or excuse mm-hmm. me, they hosted Texas A&M after going into Kentucky and beating them with a record of 4-2. and two. But the changing point to me was the fact that they played Charlotte and South Carolina State and they were able to gain some confidence. Yeah. This bye week, the health, being able to correct some things that during the week, because you have the installation, you're trying to figure things out, okay, yeah. How can we address? How can we address our own concerns? How can we address our own areas while we're also trying to game plan against a Tennessee pass rush or a Tennessee uh, defense that you know you know they're not going to uh, worry about our rushing attack. They're just going to be sending guys you know four or five, and yeah. they're going to get there. They got there sometimes with four. So this week it allows you to take a step back. It allows you to take a step back, and I'm not saying that after the bye week this is going to look like you know uh, a totally different team. But I also wouldn't be shocked to see them come out and play against a Florida team who obviously has been very shaky this season, but a Florida team that has the ability to go out there and beat you by two scores, but you also have the chance to go out there and you could probably beat them by two scores if you're playing your type of football. So that's why this bye week to me, there's going to be a lot of questions. There's still a lot of questions, but there's going to be questions still to be answered after the bye week. But I think we're going to learn a lot about this team. I mean, yeah. We've learned a lot already, but if they can't make these correct corrections after this bye week, again, it could get it could get ugly real quick just because of the competition that they have lined up over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, plain and simple. And like, I don't want to say that you know we don't know what team is going to show up because we know we've seen it before, right? They've executed in all phases. Every position group has executed. 
And I think, you know, it, when you show that, right, you know, the, the, the potential of what you have, it is very hard to predict which side is going to show up. Right. And that's why Mike and I are, are, you know, there's two sides of the coin because yes, if every team or if every, um, you know, position group and, and every facet of the game shows up, you, you're one of the best teams in the SEC. And I think, you know, similar to Florida, Florida, I said this in the walkthrough too, Florida's a very fluky team, right? They went out and beat Tennessee in the swamp. And I don't know if that's because of the curse of the swamp and like, oh, Tennessee hasn't won since 06, whatever. You know, I, I don't believe in all that, but go ahead. <laughs> it's SEC lore, go crazy. But I think, you know, and we're going to get to the comments. So there's a bunch of questions here and we'll, we'll roll through those after this. But I, I mean, it's that's the problem with this team is you just don't know which group is going to show up what week. And it's so hard to predict whether or not, you know, which which group is, which isn't, and then which one is going to win you the game. Because at Tennessee, you needed your offensive line to show up in a big way and stop that the, 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 the defensive line. Because this defensive line, I mean, you're right, Mike, sacking people with four or three, five sometimes. Like, it's, it's really, really, really hard to go up against a defensive line like that caliber when your offensive line doesn't have, you know, their best game. And granted, you know, there were bright spots for this offensive line. But, and, and we saw it, I mean, the first half against Georgia, they looked really good. And so it, it's just really, really tough to predict what, what all is going to go down when you were so, you know, up and down and inconsistent in, in all these different spots. And like I said, the, the one bright shining spot that hasn't been questioned um, yet in terms of consistency is the quarterback position. We, we all know that. But getting into some of the comments, Mike, did you have something before we did? Yeah, I, I wanted to bring one thing up. Yeah. You know, so I'm looking at the sacks allowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Old Dominion, they're ranked last in the country. They've given up 27. Colorado, 129th in the country. They've allowed 26. And tied for third worst in the country. You got South Florida and South Carolina. So I bring that up because outside of outside of South Carolina, when you talk about SEC teams, and I think it's going to surprise some unless you've really been paying attention to what's been going on over there, Alabama is not too far off from there. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've been playing musical chairs at quarterback this season. But I bring that up because as I just look around, Arkansas is in there kind of above it. Mm-hmm. With SEC play, with with South Carolina and a lot of these other teams from uh, from the conference, now you're getting into SEC play. For a lot of these other teams – they probably haven't, and again, this is kind of just more speaking in general terms without going down the, the list of schools and looking at who they've played. We know like the Georges of the world, they really haven't played anyone outside of conference play that's that competitive, right? Um, USC, yes, they've had a tough out-of-conference schedule, and I know some might roll their eyes at the Furman game, but you know, you played North Carolina week one. So, yes, you've been going up against good competition. The competition's only going to get better in SEC play. So when you look at that, that number, is it indicative of who this team is? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I know Shane Beamer said the other day, and I tend to agree with him. I hate – it's one of those phrases that people don't like to hear. And I don't know if it's one that, you know – he should have kept more to himself, but again, I don't disagree with him. It's more so by him saying that he's kind of letting his team know, right? That when he says that, Hey, look, you know, my guys will hear that from the media and I'm trying to remember exactly how he worded it. So I'm going to paraphrase, but 
You know, I don't think I think we're we're better we're better than our record indicates. You know, we're two and three. I think we're better than than our record indicates. And I think for South Carolina, the the issue is as we've talked about that can, that lack of consistency has really hurt them from being able to have that record a little bit better, right? We could sit here, we could, you know, play the well if they did this or they did that game, they could be this record. But bottom line is, you you are who your record what your record says you are. That's that's the bottom line. And for South Carolina, you're a two and three football team heading into the bye week. What we got here? We got a question here. Yep, we've got a couple questions, and we we can just stream down them real quick. This one was actually paid for, so yeah, we'll start uh, with our. I'm going to put it up. Give up AC and heating or internet for the rest of your life living in South Carolina. (laughs) Goodness. Um, I need a nice change up before we head into some real good questions. Yeah. I'm going to go AC and heating. Um, I can survive with it. Like, I I don't know. Being being a Gen Zer, I don't know if I can survive without internet. But maybe that's my age showing off pretty much. And like, I could do without I could do without the heating in, in the south. That's yeah. not an issue. Still yeah. a friggin' sweatshirt on, you're good. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean this friggin' this this isn't winter's down here. The AC. It's it's fine. But the AC, that's ooh. Mm, yeah. I'm not just gonna be sitting out underneath a big old friggin' tree, you know, like car like whittling a friggin' like eating at an apple and, and whittling a stick all day trying to stay cool in the shade. Yeah. That's not happening. It's a tough question, RL. Tough question, indeed. He also RL also has another one. Um, if you could clarify this one too, two must games this Saturday. Must watch. Said. Yeah, two must watch games this Saturday. Oh, must watch. Yeah. Usually, let's see. Let's get into that because I because you did pay for a question. We will answer that, and then we'll get into the rest. I mean, I think the first one is going to easily be um, Oklahoma and Texas. I think that goes without saying, right? Yeah, I mean, that is a massive game. And that's two teams that's going to be part of your conference next year. So I think that one really stands out to me. I think looking at some of the other matchups, it all depends on, you know, I mean, I think Kentucky and Georgia is another one because I think we can find out really how good Kentucky is. Um, But another one I'm going to sneak in there, I'm going to give you a bonus one, is LSU and Missouri. And the reason why I say that is LSU is coming off a disappointing loss. If Missouri is able to win this game, they improve to six and zero. They 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 improve to six and zero, and you have Missouri in a couple weeks. So, I don't want to sit here and say that. I, I do think that you know Missouri's been able to pull out some close ones towards the end, and even though I think LSU is better, <laughs> sitting and using a phrase that Beamer just did, better than what their record indicates. Bottom line is you are what your record says you are. You're three and two. So that's a game that's going to tell us a lot, but that Kentucky game too. And that's why, again, I want to throw Oklahoma Texas in there. I can't put a prediction out on it quite yet. Yeah, I got two of them. I um, So I would agree Oklahoma, Texas. LSU, Missouri was was is one of my true picks. Like I, I think we're going to see what kind of team Missouri is because they've been really, really fluky, but they also have a really good quarterback in Brady Cook. He's sneakily having one of the better years um, in the SEC for a quarterback. So I've got my eye on that one just to kind of see if, if Missouri can pull that one out. Um, that should concern you a little bit for South Carolina's standpoint, a game at noon. Um, and then let's see. 
I would you, Kentucky and Georgia. That's another one you get to see what Kentucky's like. And then the bonus pick is Notre Dame and Louisville. Notre Dame almost lost at um, at Duke this week, um, and they found a way to win that one. Louisville is a sneaky good team. So for all of you guys in the South that enjoy seeing Notre Dame lose, there's your next chance. And then of course Notre Dame goes home to play Southern Cal. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I got my eyes on on the two South Carolina opponents really, um, and then also Bama and Texas A and M. Will be an interesting one. I believe that game is at Texas A&M, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so it's at Texas A&M. You'll see the quality of uh, Texas A&M's backup, how he does, and then also how Bama responds to the tough environment of Kyle Field. That's going to play a very big factor in South Carolina's game because they're out on the road at Texas A&M. And so you'll see what kind of you know team this this A&M team, what Jimbo has um, in in terms of uh, A&M this year. So. Let's go into some, I'm going to cut you off, Joe, because we got Reno coming up in just yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah. I want to get to some of these questions. All right, Tommy Lucas, just let's bang this out real quick. Uh, what, in your opinion, would make this season a success, and do you think we are progressing or regressing? I think the thing is, to me, if we want to measure it by wins and losses, because it's hard not to in this sport, right, I think even heading into the season, getting to seven wing wins would show progress. I know to some people they would think that's kind of being, you know, you're staying, you're staying uh, stale because you're right in the middle with it. I disagree with that. Year three is a very difficult year. If you go back and a lot of the coaching changes that have occurred over the last, I'd say, decade or so, and there's always going to be outliers, but year three is usually the turning point, right? Some teams, you know, they struggle. Some teams are able to take off, but even the, like Dabo Sweeney, go look at what they were able to do the first couple of years in that struggle. So I, I bring that up just because, I think being able to get to that seven win mark, it shows like, okay, we're not taking a step back. That's the biggest thing. You don't want to take a step back this year by any means. Having seven wins in the regular season would be massive. And I know, again, some people are going to be wise guys and say, well, they had eight wins in the regular season last year. Go look at how many times South Carolina has had eight wins in their program's history. Okay. You have to sometimes try to stay consistent before you can take that extra step forward in a year or two, especially when you have so much young talent. So I, that's what I would say to that. Uh, moving along, Josh says, Mike, do you feel like Loggins uses the middle of the field enough? Seems like he likes to go outside the hash marks more. I really like Harbor. Could be one of uh, one to exploit the middle and take advantage of his size and speed. I, I think we're seeing a lot more. Uh, I, look, we see – I think what it, what it is is because South Carolina, especially to start the year, and even though, you know, Mario Anderson was able to get things going the other night, USC really hasn't been able to run the football consistently, right? We've all known that. Even the other night, though, you take away that 75-yard rush, South Carolina only ran the football for what? I don't have the number in front of me. But let me see if I can pull that up. The, the point being is they didn't, they weren't able to run the football well the other night. Yeah. That's That's a little misleading. So I'm looking at it right now. South Carolina rushed for 132 yards, okay? Now, of course, you throw in sack yardage, taking that away and all that kind of stuff, right? But I bring that up just because it goes to show you why Tennessee didn't respect you running the football, why they didn't bring anyone down the block. So I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they haven't been able to run the football well enough where they're trying to go to the outside to use the speed, number one, but number two, also trying to stretch the defense out to help the rushing attack. Now, we can sit here and say, well, it works sometimes. It hasn't been working here a lot. 
I think everything that we've talked about this season is that Dow's working with what he has in his kitchen, right? We've made this analogy before. You want to cook a steak or you want to bake a cake, but you only have a freaking, I don't know, a can of tuna fish and some fruity pebbles. You're not going to be able to do that. You got to work with what you got. And I don't know what type of creation you'd really be able to make with fruity pebbles and tuna fish. But I, I think that has to has a reason why it's playing out that way. I do feel like he's using the middle of the field. But I think one of the reasons why maybe it's not happening as much as people would like, and the reason why I say using the field is because with Marcus Satterfield, I felt like the middle of the field was kind of like, if you, if you remember as a kid, you know, don't go on the lava, that lava game, right? You know, oh, the ground's the lava. That's what it felt like. Satterfield never wanted to use the middle of the field. We're seeing a lot of crossing routes. We saw that with Xavier Leggett two weeks ago against Mississippi State and how they were able to use his speed to exploit that for a touchdown. Last week against Tennessee, they did it at times, but I really think the main reason why they did so many passes to the side is because they were trying to slow down that Tennessee pass rush because they knew they couldn't run the football. Tennessee wasn't bringing an extra defender down to the box because they didn't respect your rushing attack. So what can you do to be able to soften that middle up a little bit, especially when your pass, your pass blocking wasn't that great? Well, you go to the outside. You try to spread them out a little bit. You try to slow down that pass rush. Did it work? No, but that's one of the reasons why I think it played out that way. Josh also says, what's the deal with Lewis? And I to go back to your other point too. Yes, I'd love to see Harbor in those crossing routes. And hopefully that extra week can help Harbor out too, because we've mentioned this before. And I know some people are sick and tired of hearing it. A true freshman who's making the adjustment from tight end slash DN to wide receiver. Missed some time towards the end of preseason camp. He's making progress, but he was behind the eight ball a little bit because of those two things. And when you combine those two things on top of the fact that you're a true freshman and you're trying to figure out what college is all about, it's not necessarily the recipe to speed up the process quickly in comparison to if you're a, okay, you're a guy that's already played wide receiver or, okay, you're a guy that didn't get banged up during camp. So I think he's going he's, he, he's gonna to make a difference because you're talking about the, when we talk about the number of games that you play in, for your eligibility because he's been playing on special teams, South Carolina, they're going to have to use him. They're going to have to play him or you, you just burnt a year for a guy that's mainly played on special teams. So what that tells me is they have confidence in him. And I know some people are probably frustrated when Shane Beamer keeps saying each week, Oh, we'll see more of this guy. Oh, we got to play this guy more. We got to play this guy more. But specifically talking about Harbor, the reason why it should encourage you as a fan is because, again, when you talk about the number of games, he was in special teams, he played a little receiver in the North Carolina game too. But because of hitting that mark, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. And I highly, highly doubt USC went into this season, or even right now heading into the bye week, telling themselves, man, this kid's just going to be a special teams guy this season. No. It's probably just the fact that, again, making the adjustment to wide receiver, Missed some time during preseason camp towards the end. And he's just behind a little bit in comparison to where they'd want him to be. But I think this extra week is going to help him out a lot. Um, yeah. What's the I deal about with- on the walkthrough, Harbor on the walkthrough, so go listen to that. What's the deal with Lewis? Seems like every time he makes a reception, uh, we make a good play, and he can make some people miss. Doty can't seem to do that as good. I think the big thing is, or at least this is what – I take away from it all so far, Joe, is the fact that um, as Dante just texted me, I think 
Doty just understands the playbook probably a little bit better, and they're yeah. just comfortable no, with that. Absolutely. But again, but again, that doesn't mean Eddie Lewis isn't capable of doing everything that you just said because he certainly is. And I hope too with this this bye week, and maybe it's just me being very optimistic that we're going to see some of these guys out there more. Yeah, and it's not just from a health standpoint, but guys that are coming along because at some point, right? At some point, the whole well. You know, oh, they're not there yet. Oh, and they, we, we can say that for the first couple weeks of the season. But once we get into the back half of the schedule and we're saying the same things, at some point, you know, you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is that the case? If it happens to one player or two players, that's life. That's football. Yeah. That's sports. But if it's happening for multiple players, that's different. I don't think it's specifically talking about the offense. I don't think this is anything to do with the playbook and the way that it's designed. Okay. And the reason I bring that up is because I'm sure there's some people that have PTSD from the last two seasons. We heard so much about how this offense in comparison to last year's one, it was been, it's been streamlined, right? They've brought it down. They've, they've condensed it. I don't think it's too complicated. No, I think it's the trust factor of it all. That's exactly it, right? They're naturally going to trust Doty a little bit more because he's been here longer. I think Eddie Lewis, yes, he's probably more of an athletic and more prototypical wide receiver, but naturally, I mean, Mike, you played college football. You know how far trust goes. I mean, there could be a freshman or like an All-American on the bench, but a guy that you've had for four years, you know, it's going to be hard, you know, and that's always in the equation. So I think that's all it boils down to. They just trust Doty more. I agree. I think I think Lewis is, is a very dynamic receiver. Needs to see the field more, and I think he will after the bye week. Very, very, very talented kid. And, I mean, also you'll see him in the, on special teams too. Really, really good. Um, we'll try to keep going through these quick. I'll go try a little quicker. I mean, I went, I went to a completely different direction. Patty says, why can't they uh, – what can they do to buy Rat, uh, Spencer Rattler some time to make good decisions? I think it starts with just being able to establish the run. Right, yeah. changing it up so it's not just pass, pass, pass. Because as we saw the other night, yes, the, the stats, the statistics say that okay, South Carolina they ran the ball for over a hundred yards and went under Beamer. They only lost one game heading into that uh, game this past weekend when they rushed the ball for a hundred yards. But it's a misleading stat from the other night. You need to get the ru- the rushing attack going. I think that will help Spencer out. And the other thing too is be able to get healthy. Get healthy at some of these positions at wide receiver to be able to get your playmakers out there and younger guys like Nick Harbour and some of the other players that are coming along this bye week will hopefully help them continue to get more comfortable with the system and everything else when it comes to college football, that they'll be good to go and they can start helping out number seven. Guy that knows a thing or two about playing quarterback. Gamecock 2024 commit. Dante Reno. Dante, how you doing? I'm great. We just got out of practice about about seven, so it was a, it was a good day today. But I'm doing great. How are you guys? Um, we're doing good. Uh, let people know how many weeks into the season are you? Because I know up north, for when it comes to prep schools, you guys start a little bit later, kind of like your dad with the Ivy League with Yale. You guys start yeah. pretty late in comparison to like a state down here, like South Carolina, where their first game is what third week of yeah. August, something like that. Yeah, super early. Yeah, so we're on week four right now. Um, we had a bye week last week, so it's our fourth week of the actual season. Um, so we played two games so far, and then we play uh, Deerfield Academy on Friday night. So it's going to be fun. Good stuff. Well, as we're, we're talking here, we're talking a lot about the offense. And as you know, when it comes to SEC football, that's the reason why you want to sign up for it. Um, there's highs, there's lows. 
you know, and this fan base is very passionate. Having said all that, Dante, I know you talked to a lot of the the uh, 2024 guys. I'm sure you talked to some guys on the team. I'm not going to ask you to throw any names out there, but, you know, when it comes to just a loss like this, right, you're not obviously in the locker room, but as we saw against Mississippi State, when it, when, it, when things go well, the highs are high, but when things go low, they're low. Um, what is the excitement level, though, about just the future and the direction of this program still despite the fact of what we've seen through five weeks in terms of being two and three and coming off a tough loss in, uh, in Knoxville. Yeah, I think it's all, all I me, mean, all the credit to to Spencer and coach Loggins, what they're doing. Um, I mean, I'm sure as all the fans know, and as everybody has seen, Spencer has never been this comfortable. Um, he's playing really well and he's like a top 10 quarterback in college school right now. Um, and like, like you just said, they're two and three, but they played North Carolina, who's a top 25 team. Um, lost to Georgia, who's obviously the best team in the country. <laughs> And then they played Tennessee last week, who's obviously a top five, ten team in the country as well. So nothing is easy on their schedule. Um, but Spencer's playing really well, and the offense is smooth. Um, the way Spencer's been playing, well, obviously, is his first year in the system. So just to see how quarterback-friendly it really is um, really excites me and all the commits as well, um, what we've been talking about in our group chat and how well the young guys are playing um, as well, like Tree, um, Marquis, and those guys, True. So it's been, it's been awesome to see. Yeah, Dante, I got a question for you just um so last time we talked to you we you hadn't really seen this Dowell Loggins offense or at least in gameplay I guess now that you have seen it what excites you about it and, and what makes you even more excited to I guess come play for him yeah I think just how quarterback friendly it is um yeah. how many reads Spencer can make fast um he's like I talked to coach Loggins a couple weeks ago I mean he's Spencer's running the whole offense with full command I mean he's making changes at the lines um he's making what the reads he wants to go with um so he's really He's really playing comfortable, and I think it shows with his stats, um, his completion percentage and all that stuff being being up from last year. Then obviously turning the ball over. Um, I think they turned over a lot less than they did in the past year, and I think it starts with the quarterback and Spencer. So um, he just looks really comfortable out there, and I think it starts with Coach Loggins, um, and it goes all the way down. So it looks – it's awesome so far. Yeah. You mentioned Big Tree and seeing Ball out there as well. And we know that there's some more pieces – to that 2023 recruiting class. And there's some more coming in for 2024 where there could be potentially two five stars on the offensive line. We'll see what happens though, in terms of the star rankings. I say all that Dante, because you know, you're not dumb. You've been paying attention to this, you know, naturally when things don't go well up front. And even though God bless Spencer Rattler for being able to do what he's been able to do and the offensive line trying to do what they can too, because it's not easy when you have to, try to figure out a group of five guys on the fly with the injury they had back in the spring. And then obviously losing a right tackle in the first game, they've been able to make things happen though, in terms of being, uh, being able to adjust on the fly. But I say all that because with that, the young guys are getting in there. Where's your excitement level as a quarterback, just watching those two guys in particular and what they could potentially do moving forward. Yeah, obviously it's awesome to see those guys going out there and competing. Um, like you said, Tree, I mean, he got there in the summer, and he didn't really have much time before the season to go out there, and obviously he wasn't there in the spring. So just seeing him go out there and True going out there too and Marquis and all those other guys. Um, I think Tyshawn Russell, he caught a ball the other game uh, against Tennessee too. So just seeing all those guys, because I was, I was helping recruiting those guys with Pup and all the, all the other commits. Um, so building relationships with them and seeing them going out there and doing their thing. Um, it's been really great for me to see. And then obviously our 24 class, 
Um, we're all really close with the class above us and a couple classes above them. So it's been really cool to see, um, just especially the relationships that you have with them as a kid and as a commit. So it's been awesome. Yeah, Dante, I'll follow this up. I mean, obviously you're working through your season and you're getting that much closer to finally getting to South Carolina. What are some things that I guess you're working on in your senior year and, and some things that you're trying to, you know, hammer out before you get to South Carolina? And also, too, are they, you know, giving stuff back to you? Like, are you looking at film with some of these coaches here? And, and how does that work? Yeah, so the film part, I think it's illegal if I watch any tape of them right now and stuff like that. Um, but, no, I mean, just watching the games when I can, uh, when I'm not in my dad's games. I mean, they've been playing every Friday. I think it's like every Saturday night so far. And Coach Beamer came up in a press conference. He was like, can we get an afternoon game? But it's been good for me because I can watch them at night um, to watch my dad play. So it's been good. Um, other than that, I mean, I've just been focused on my season. Um, we're off to a good start right now. We're 2-0, and and we've thrown for 800 yards in two games. Um, so I got a bunch of guys to throw to. So just – kind of focusing being where my feet are right now, but also paying attention to what they're doing um, and all that stuff as well. I'm sure heading into this year, you had goals and I'm not even talking about statistical goals. I'm talking about things that you wanted to be able to do in terms of sharpening your skills before you get ready for college football, because as many know, we've been following you and your career and obviously the recruiting process, they know that you'll be enrolling into South Carolina come January and it's going to be, and I think, Look, I'm not trying to push this season aside because they obviously enjoy seeing Rattler out there, but they also know it's going to be a fun, competitive quarterback room with obviously Lenoris there, Tanner Bailey's there, uh, Luke Doty still there as well. People don't people forget about that. Doty will be back. Well, yeah. at least he has another year if he wants. Yeah. I bring that up though, Dante, because what are some of the things that heading into the season you wanted to be able to improve on your game? And where do you feel like you have been able to do some of that? Yeah, I think a big thing for me is just showing a lot of people I'm not just a recruiter. Like, I'm not just out there to go recruit people to come play with me at South Carolina, that I'm actually a football player. And I think I've done that through the first two games. So, obviously, proving all those people. Um, but, no, at the end of the day, like you said, it's going to be a fun quarterback room. Um, I'm obviously really close to all those guys down there. Luke, obviously, I've stayed with him a bunch of times. But Norris, he's a great kid. Tanner, like you said, um, he's obviously a really good player. So, Having all those guys in the quarterback room is really fun. I can't wait to go down there and compete with them. But no, like you, like I said in the beginning, just showing people that I can actually play football a little bit, not just not just recruit on Twitter. We've 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 talked about that a little bit, and I know it means you know I'm sure you appreciate it when fans are like you know Dante. I think actually someone brought it up in Big Red. And I'm picking on you a little bit, Dante. The closer Reno, I'm sure you appreciate it because at the same time too, you know you want to be able to help build a program when it comes to helping not just yourself, but obviously the school that you're going to. Yeah. Pop Howard, he was a phenomenal closer, too. He was a phenomenal recruiter. Um, and then obviously once you get here, you want to be, you know, showing people like, hey, look, guys, I'm not just a, you know, recruiter. I'm, I'm here to be able to play some ball, too. Yeah. So, you know, hearing you say that I think has been good. And, you know, based on what you've been able to do so far this season, I think it's certainly shown. As the season continues to progress for you, Dante, what else do you want to be able to, to do outside of obviously winning another state championship just in terms of being able to help get your game to that next level? Yeah, I think obviously just starting with being able to read coverages, um, stuff like that, taking it week to week. And our league, we have, we're really good. Um, we have a lot of good people that we play against. Um, every team, that kids aren't playing both ways. So you play against a team that have 22 starters, 26 kids that rotate. Um, so it's a bunch of good kids. They're all older kids too, 18, 19 years old that we're playing against. So just being able to go through my go through my reads, um, get more comfortable with that, and then I got 
some dudes outside. Um, I got like a six five receiver, power five kid. My tight ends, top three in the country, going to Penn State. Um, I got a USC commit playing receiver. So it's um it's been really fun for me just being able to get those guys the ball. Um, but obviously just having my fun in my last season. Um, obviously it's my last year and decided to come back and play in my senior year. So it's been uh it's been awesome and I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed anything. So it's been great. Dante, correct me if I'm wrong, because you went to a new school. I'm assuming, all right, you have a new playbook as well. But how has that adjustment been? And the reason I bring that up is because even though it can be a disadvantage at times, how much do you think that can help you in terms of, okay, I've went from one school to another, unless you had a different play caller earlier in your high school career. But you have to essentially learn three playbooks in three years because you go from one high school to another, and then you'll be going to South Carolina next year. Is that something you've thought about at all in yeah. terms of helping you out? Yeah, it's definitely helped me out. So at Loomis, I had an uh, offense coordinator my first year, and then I had a different offense coordinator my second year. And then at here, obviously, it's a different whole playbook. So I've learned three playbooks in the past three years. Um, but this one's a little different, run the air raid. So we get chucked around a lot, um, throw it to those guys. So it's been really cool just for me to be able to set protections um, set my reads, obviously, and um, just change plays at the line of scrimmage. So I'm having some freedom um, up there, and the coaches trusting in me and trusting in the guys that I have to throw to. So it's been awesome just to learn and have all this stuff to go through before I get to college. Um, it's been great. Does it have any similarity to the offense that you're going to see down here? Yeah, I think with the freedom that the quarterback has and what Coach Loggins has been talking about and what Spencer, the freedom he has at the line of scrimmage, um, just being able to get out of stuff and get into stuff that he wants to get to. Um, it's been really good for me just to learn that, obviously, at the high school level first. And then, obviously, in the SEC, it's a lot different um, with the reads you're going to get there, too. So it's been awesome. Big Red wants to know which receiver is Dante meshed with the most on his visits to South Carolina. I, I could take a guess as far as the 2024 class. So I don't know if you want to answer oh, this kind of twofold where you give an answer to that and then maybe a, a player who's already on the roster. I don't know. Throw, we'll give you the two for one, Big Red. Yeah, so I think obviously Mazio is my guy, and I've been I've been on a hundred visits with him, and we say 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 there together. Um, he's been my day one since sophomore year when I committed, and we were talking way before that. And obviously, he broke my heart going to Tennessee for three months, not even, and then he came back. So that's my guy. And then obviously the guys I have there: C.J. Adams, um, Tyshawn, and who's there? Nick also there. Um, Bakari Swain, so all those guys that I helped recruit in the 23 class. And then, obviously, we're still trying to get some more commits that receive from the 24 class. So just keeping along those lines, I'll keep that one quiet, um, see who we try to get there. But Yeah, absolutely. Dante, I got one more question for you, and it's Dowell-related. Obviously, he got hired while, or after you were committed. Um, so you've been able to kind of, you know, see him recruit a little bit. How good of a recruiter is he? I, I know we haven't really heard from him that much about recruiting because he doesn't like to talk about himself. But, yeah, what, what kind of recruiter is he and what are you seeing from him? Yeah, he's very, very – I say this active in the recruiting world and he's getting all the lingos down with texting and make sure he's calling the kids and all that stuff. Um, but he's been great, obviously, with the commits first and start with those guys. Um, if he had to, he'd go up and call Dylan Stewart and FaceTime Dylan Stewart if he really wanted to because he's that type of guy. and He's just a really personable dude and everybody can relate to him because he's such a player's coach. Um, he puts the players before himself and I think – that's why we have the class we're going to get. And there's hopefully we're going to drop a couple more commitments in the next couple of days and next couple of weeks um, of guys. And it all goes down to him um, and the way he's been recruiting them and the families. Um, so he's a really good recruiter. Yeah. He dropped a vibe in a press conference and I'm like, he, he gets it. Yeah, exactly. He gets all the lingo. Yeah.
Well, sure. I'm, I'm trying to stay with it. You know, this is what happens the further you get removed from college. Um, as Dante, we're, we're talking about the other day, he sent me something, and I'm just like, what the heck does yeah. that even mean? So I'm getting old. Um, I'll ask you this. I'm not going to ask you specific names, and I'm not going to ask you specifically about either a kid that is committed to another school or a kid that is not committed somewhere right now, okay? So we can make it all very vague, all right? The season's going on for you. The season's going on for all these other players out there, guys that are committed to South Carolina, guys that aren't committed to South Carolina. Can you give some game? Because you know how they are. They're itching. They're itching for that next welcome home tweet. I'm assuming you guys are still going very hard at trying to get, again, either guys that aren't committed to South Carolina or guys that are committed elsewhere to make their commitment come signing day to South Carolina. Is that fair to say? Yeah, very fair. I think there's, I would say, a handful of guys, obviously I'm not going to throw any names out there, that are either going to flip and come here or they're going to commit. They're not committed anywhere. Um, so I think it's just, obviously the kids have their senior senior year, so they're trying to get through that, whether it's with their family that they're trying to deal with or whether it's with their coach and all that stuff. Um, but kids, they also have their senior year, and they're trying to play that year and then either commit during the year during the season or commit after the season. Um, and a lot of kids are also playing in the All-American games, um, stuff like that, so they might do it down there. But I think our, our class isn't even close to done. Um, I think that, obviously, it starts with Coach Beamer. Um, and he's been recruiting his butt off. And like he's, we all said at the beginning, we're going to have the best recruiting class in the South Carolina history. Um, so it's still not done yet. I don't even know what day, October something. I don't think we want to sign until January and then after that. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll be just fine. Anything else in turn, Joe? No, I mean, he covered it. I, I love the fact that you, you noticed that Dowell was – he's trying to catch up a little bit, and that's cool. He seems like a very personable guy, and I think he's the right fit, certainly, um, for, for offensive coordinator at South Carolina. A little breath of fresh air, if you will, yeah. um, in, in terms of how the coordinator has been recently. Well, Dante, I appreciate you hopping on. It was a last-minute thing, so I appreciate you hopping on right after practice. Um we will definitely talk to you in the near future. Yeah. Always a pleasure, man. Have have a good have a good game this week, and you know we'll be we'll be in touch soon. Thank you, yes sir. Thank you guys. Thanks, All right, Dante right. Reno once again, Gamecock twenty twenty four commit man. hopping on with us. Always a breath uh, breath uh, breath of fresh air. But I think the other thing too that he mentioned in there, and I know some people probably go back to like, oh, Dante said it was going to be a big July or June, whatever month it was. Yep. Well. As we all saw, there was a lot of things that were interesting towards those commitments. A lot of flips, hmm, seemed like, or last-minute changes in the uh, recruiting prediction machine. However, however, Dante kind of hinted at it. I think we may have hinted at it on the show maybe a week or two ago. Yep. Could be flip season very soon. What is it, October 3rd? October 3rd? Could be a flip coming up very soon. That's all i got to say. So just pay attention your eyes open. To Gamecock Central. We'll keep you posted with that. Uh, intern Joe, we're going to get you out of here in a minute. So just in case yep. you have to get going. And the reason why Joe has to get going, and I'll bring it up. Because, yeah. No. Intern Joe, <laughs> intern Joe told me maybe a week or two ago, maybe a week ago, that after these shows on GC Live, he's been doing another show. He's been doing another show. He's been doing stand-up comedy. How about that? That ta- you know what? That takes freaking you. That takes some cojones, my man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to advertise where. I mean, you guys are just going to have to find it. Uh, uh, we'll because, all go. We'll heckle you. It'll be great. No, we'd go. Yeah, I want people jokes, to go and show you something. My some jokes aren't the most PG in the world. Um, so, I got but, you. Yeah, I, I have started going to open mics and stuff like that because um, I was tired of my friends telling me I was funny and I didn't have anything to back it up. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I have been doing a couple open mics. But, uh, yeah, we got some time, Mike. We'll, we'll get through some of these comments and then get – Get on the road for well, sure. If you gotta get going, Joe. You do that. Um, yep. Okay, <laughs> Carolina Tech. Yeah, you know, we got Jerry Seinfeld over here. Yeah, uh, something like that. <laughs> no, that's awesome though. And I give you a lot of credit because not a lot of people have probably the guts to do something like that. Appreciate you know? it, RL. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just something to get get out of the comfort zone a little bit, a little fun, get up on stage. It, it helps with this as well, right? Yeah. Um, you know, being in front of the lights and being live and that kind of thing. So, you know, anything oh, so you have a live audience, you, know, you have a live yeah, audience, yeah, the lingo and that kind of thing. And, um, That's neat. absolutely. So All it's right. a lot of fun. Let's get into some of these questions. Big red. What are we lacking on defense that prohibits us from stopping the run consistently? I think, and, and it's going to be, I'm going to be a broken record for a lot of this. And I know people don't yeah. want to hear it, but I think it first starts with the fact that they just don't have the depth. They really don't have the depth. They don't have the bodies to be able to do it consistently. Now, it's real easy to point to be like, all right, well, Tonka Hemingway's there. You also have Boogie Huntley. And I'm specifically talking about the defensive tackles. Then we can go and branch out to other positions. But I bring that up because you lose a guy the other night like TJ Sanders who played out of his friggin' mind a couple weeks ago against Georgia. Okay? He goes down. And it's just this – we're having this – the only thing that's been consistent with South Carolina's defense is that they're consistently getting injured. They're consistently getting injured. And I know people don't want to hear that because some – not saying everybody – some want to be able to just blame something just so they can figure out, okay, what is it? I'm telling you right now, if Robertson wasn't here at defensive line as the defensive line coach and Jimmy Lindsey was still here and it was the same exact issues, right? Same exact issues they were having. A lot of people would be blaming Jimmy Lindsay right now. Okay? That's just how it goes. Where I get it that people want to just point to different scapegoats, but the reality is this team is friggin' young. We knew that going into the season. How many times did Shane Beamer say it heading into the first game that the, the lack of depth, I think there was actually 13 true freshmen, might have been 12 because – Marquis didn't travel that week, but he was on the travel. He, he was supposed to travel is what I'm trying to get at. They sent 12 true freshmen to Charlotte on the um, the dress list for week one. Not saying yeah. it doesn't happen at other places, but I just feel like you don't see that that often in the SEC. You certainly don't see it often at South Carolina. So I bring that up because – that's the biggest issue for them is that they their depth already, they're so thin. And when you pile up these injuries, and certainly there's been some players that have come on and have played phenomenal, right? Jalen Kilgore. Jalen Kilgore, I can't say enough good things about this young man. Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, may have been Wes. I can't remember which one. I'll give them both credit. They were all over it in preseason. So you keep an eye on this young man. Now, granted, the circumstances which led him to getting in there week one because Nick went down early with a hamstring injury, 
no one could have foreseen that. But I think they just don't have the bodies right now to consistently be able to do the things that they need to, especially not against a team that can run the football well. You have to stop it, right? So I'm sitting here and I'm explaining why I think they're not having that success. But at the same time, too, just being able to go up and just make a freaking tackle, be able to take a good angle, finish tackles, the little things, the little things that they were doing last week against Mississippi State. Certainly Tennessee, another team, another level. But for me, it's just consistency at all levels, right? You need your defensive line and your linebackers to play well in the same game, right? Because we've seen both. We've seen the linebackers play well and then clog up the holes that the defensive line leaves. And, you know, I, I it, it's the same way. It's, it goes the opposite way. I don't think we've seen a cohesive, um, you know, game from both the defensive line and the linebackers. I mean, maybe Mississippi State, they did a great job with that. But, I mean, you need them both to be on the same page. And with all of the, the you know, revolving doors that is the linebacker position, you expected to have Mokaba, an unbelievable kid. Well, that hurts too, too, Joe. Yes, you, you brought it up. Bad. So yep. we've so. talked about it before, Stone Blandon, and I've brought up his name a couple times because I do think Stone's going to have a very nice career here at South Carolina. I mean, yeah. how many times have we talked about an individual? And I'll, I'll bring up Xavier Leggett. Think how many people, different position, of course, think how many people were throwing Xavier Leggett under the bus last year, early on in the season. It may have been after the South Carolina State game or, SC, or, um, or the Charlotte game. We had the two. We had the two drops led to interceptions. How quickly have people who were throwing him under the bus then? How quickly have you seen a complete one hundred and eighty? And now they're probably the first people cheering for uh, Xavier each each week with the season that he's had. So I say that because you know, look, there's going to be players across the country, whether they're freshmen, whether they're sophomores, that come on quickly. And they're able to continue to have that success, right? We see it every year across the country. South Carolina has been able to produce players like that. The frustrating part is when you're playing as many freshmen, when you're playing as many sophomores, even though Nick Eamon-Worry and DQ Smith have experience, they're still only sophomores. So when you take that into consideration and you don't have the depth behind a lot of these other positions – when they don't have much experience, right? Because, again, one season, yeah, on field, yeah, they have one season. But they're still, from a mental standpoint, they're still just sophomores. They have to take on, and they, you know, look, they've been doing the best they can. But with Eamon Worry getting injured week one, if you're going to tell me that didn't screw with his psyche a little bit, I mean, come on. A young kid coming off an All-American season as a freshman, and he has to miss time? You don't think that's screwing with his head a little bit or that screwed with his head a little bit. And obviously he's trying to come back and try to be the Nick of old. And I'm not saying he's been having a bad season, but these are just things I'm pointing towards to point to the pitcher, the ultimate pitcher, which is this yeah. game clock team is young. And the growing pains that we're seeing this season, it shouldn't surprise anybody. Like that's the thing about it. Like if we were sitting here, and let's say Spencer Rattler, even under all the pressure that he's been under this year, let's say he couldn't protect the football. Let's say he was just doing stupid things with the football, okay, consistently, all right? Like let's say he goes out there and he has, I don't know, nine interceptions at this point, almost averaging two, two a game. That would be an issue. 
that would be a big issue. That's not to say that the lack of protection up front, that's not to say the inability to stop the run when they need to is something that you should just look at and be like, oh, everything's fine. No, no, no. We had feelings that these were going to be issues this year. Yep. We had feelings they were going to be issues. And when you keep adding up the injuries they've had on both sides of the line, this is what you get, especially when you go up against a team that's better than what we saw against Mississippi State. Florida's yep. going to be coming in here in a week. The question now becomes, other than which Florida team is going to show up, is which South Carolina team is going to show up? Because like we've said, despite all of this, when they are clicking, they have the ability to play with anybody. They showed them the first half against Georgia. They showed that against the first half against Georgia. So this bye week, getting healthy, and I know people are sick and tired because it probably is something that it feels like, and I've been covering the team since 2016, feels like injuries is, I don't know what it is with the water in South Carolina. feels like at some point, though, they always deal with injuries. Always. I just think it's a recipe for disaster when you're a young team and you've been as plagued by as many injuries as we've seen so far with South Carolina especially yeah. on the defensive side and offensive line. Yeah, Big Red asked a follow-up question. Mike, uh, just are you saying that our biggest defensive issues will be our biggest strengths in the long run? Yes. I, I, I feel like that's exactly what we're saying. This team is going to build, and, and their issues defensively, it's something that they just – it's going to be week to week, especially oh, with no. Blanton. You just read that, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you up and you answer this for me, all yeah. right? What are two of the biggest issues right now with South Carolina? The run from, positional, from positional standpoint, you'd say. Oh, yeah, defensive line and linebacker. Defense. Okay, we can throw a linebacker in there too. I was going to say O line. I think you would agree. Oh, O line, yeah, just oh, yeah, the yeah. Line scrimmage in general. Right, yeah, can, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can throw all three of those in there. But O line and D line. Okay, where over the last two years, 2023 class and this upcoming 2024 class, where has South Carolina really prioritized yeah. heavily on oh, yeah. recruiting? Where have they? The offensive line and the defensive line. I mean, you got the the great the great wall of Carolina coming in, right? We asked Dante about it. He gave a really good answer, and he alluded to it. Mike, you beat me to the question because he mentioned Tree and Tro both um, having really, really you know good years so far, and how that excites him because those two guys are just and Marquis as well. You know, unfortunately, he's out for the year hurt wise, but Marquis Anderson's going to be another big piece. But they got the great wall of Carolina coming in, and obviously Dante is really, really excited about it, and everyone else should be too. Um, but going to Robert Doug Hill, Robert asks, are you guys worried about the defense coaching? I'll, I'll take this real quick. And then Mike, you can, I'm sure you've got some thoughts on this personally. Not yet. Not yet. Clayton White has done a lot, um, in these, in his two years, two and a half years at South Carolina. Um, and we've seen his scheme get better and better as the year progresses in years past. And so I think, you know, if you get the depth, the depth issues, it's so hard because you're repping with so many different guys in the scheme. You can't, I mean, as a player, you don't know who's going to be next to you necessarily. Um, and so that's really hard to get comfortable in that system and execute when you don't necessarily know who's going to be playing next to you. And it's just – it's really hard to have so many guys interchangeably to get your scheme down and rep it out. Like, this scheme is meant – like, these guys are learning as the year goes on. I mean, even if they did just have, like, the same, you know, core of starting guys, like, this scheme is meant to get better and better as the year goes on. So when you have – you know, a rotating glass door of, of guys coming in and out of this defense, it makes it really, really hard to build on it week after week and, th- and that kind of thing. So am I worried about the defensive coaching? Not yet, just simply because of the amount of injuries and that kind of thing. 
if it gets to a point where we get later on in the year and we haven't really seen a change, then yes, I would start to be concerned. But so far, I mean, in Clayton White's tenure, and I'm assuming this is what you're alluding to a little bit, Robert, I mean, we've seen the progression out of this defense. His defenses have progressively gotten better as the year goes on. So I'm not worried about it just yet. This South Carolina defense was in really, really bad shape before Beamer and and Clayton White got here. And I don't say that to say that everything is all sunshine and rainbows with it because when you're talking about progressing versus regressing, certainly it's regressed in a lot of areas. Having said that, and talking about the things that we talked about right before we got into this topic, how much of that has to do with coaching and how much of that has to do with the cards that you've been dealt with? I would say it's 50-50 because at the end of the day, I'm not going to put coaching aside whatsoever. That's why, again, this bye week, having this extra time, should hopefully help this Gamecock coaching staff as well as obviously the players be able to but get acclimated to certain things that they need to to be able to take a step back but should help this coaching staff address some of those issues because certainly you can see where the weaknesses are in the defense week in and week out. But when we sit here and we talked about it, when you're young, you don't have depth, you continue to get banged up in areas that you're already thin at. There's only so much that you can do. Losing Mo Kaba early on certainly made this linebacking core that much younger, that much thinner, forcing guys like Stone Bland to play probably more than he should, forcing guys like Debo Williams to have to play, as we saw earlier in the year, and we'll probably see it again throughout the course of the season, playing nearly every play, if not every snap, on defense. Pup Howard, right? We use him when we're talking about linebackers. As the season goes on, we've started to see that, he'll begin to play more. And I do feel like when we talk about linebackers, we're talking about the defensive line. We talk about the young talent that South Carolina has been able to accumulate over the last couple seasons. I think we're going to start to see more of it. And the reason being is for two reasons. One, they don't have a choice. They really don't. Especially if things aren't working or aren't going well, you can't just keep going out there with three good tires. If there's one bum tire, right? At some point, you have to get that tire fixed or else you're going to get the same crap over and over and over again. So I think with this South Carolina team, they realize there's certain things that are out of their control right now, right? And people want to be like, well, they should have done this better. They should have done this. Well, we, you know, we got to go hit the recruiting uh, trail better. We got a transfer portal, NIL, right? It's just like you can't do that right now. Yep. This isn't friggin' a video game. This isn't the NFL. There's no free agency. You have what you have. You have to make it work. And if you don't, then we can talk about certain things. You want to talk about coaching positions? You can do that, certainly, because there has to be progress made from a big picture, from a team standpoint, but you want to see progress made in positional groups, offense, yep. defense. Um, I, I think, look, I think unless things really, really, really go south for South Carolina down the stretch, I think Clayton's going to be here next year. And the reason why I say that is there's a lot of things that Clayton brings to the table that I don't think people truly understand. 
and value. I mean, he's a guy that will be a head coach in the near future. There's no question about that. There's no question about that. But now the question now becomes with these younger players with, again, when you're banged up, you have to, you have to figure things out as a defensive coordinator, right? You have to find a way to be able to make some of these adjustments. And I think Clayton is more than capable of doing that, but they have to be able to do it because like, as we mentioned before, when you look at that schedule that's coming up, it's a gauntlet. And I think the unfortunate reality is if South Carolina, God forbid, they went down the stretch and they played just like absolute crap. I'm not necessarily worried about, I'm more so worried about, you know, the people that sit in the chairs, the boosters, all those people complaining that they need to be able to make a change. That's what would lead to, I think, White not being back. But I, I think he'll be back next season. And yeah. so like you said, I think there's a lot of good things that Clayton has done in the first couple seasons here. Again, it's a perfect storm of just the fact that you're young, you've been banged up on defense, and they have not been able to figure out the right, right pieces to consistently fill that hole, right? You have a leak yeah. right now. They need to be able to find a way. I mean, just putting a freaking little Band-Aid on it isn't going to do the job. you got to figure something out over this bye week to be able to get things going. And they certainly have the talent on paper to do it. The big question is, even the inexperienced guys, are they ready to take that next step? I think, uh, Carol, um, people keep mentioning Pup Howard. I think we will see more Pup Howard. I think Pup's going to see more playing time. The reason being, again, they have to. They don't have a choice right now. They have to get some of those guys out there, and hopefully they're coming along at that rate where you feel comfortable. And even if they're not, you got to ask yourself, man, is this better than you know what we've been doing? Because that could be a possibility as well. Yeah, absolutely. Those last two questions kind of went hand in hand. So it was good. And Clayton White, that, that's been the discussion. I see it all over Twitter. And it, I mean, the fire Clayton White's and all that. Pump the brakes. It's not yet. Not yet. You know, I think there's he, there has to be, you know, a lot more regression for, for that to even be a question. But Mike, do you feel our offensive and defensive schemes match our talent? It's a good question. I think the offensive scheme does. And I feel like what Dal Loggins has done and I know it's tough to say this after what we saw the other game, the other day against Tennessee, we've seen Dow kind of like a chameleon, kind of like adjusting, right, and changing colors a little bit from game to game based on what their weaknesses have been, right? We saw that after week one against North Carolina, give up nine sacks. What did USC do? Well, obviously they made some changes on the offensive line, but they kept to carry on Joyner in there to be able to give him more of a pass protection, especially knowing that they just Mario wasn't there yet because Mario was still coming along. And obviously they play that out perfectly because Mario's looking like an absolute beast right now. But they had to do something to be able to get the pass game going. That's why we saw a lot of the short passes. That's why we saw a lot of the underneath passes. So I think based on what Dal Loggins has done, especially in comparison to where this offense was the last two years outside of the Tennessee game from last year, they've been able to do things that are probably better than what the situation would have been in. If this was, you know, if Satterfield was calling the offense with what the pieces they have, you have to be able to adjust on the fly with what you got. Now, granted, having said all that you're heading into this bye week, hopefully you're going to be able to take that game to the next level now, right? We're able to figure out, okay, this is what we've been doing. Again, trying to fill that patch, like we were talking about from a defensive standpoint, they've had to fill the patch on 
um, on an offensive standpoint was just trying to do a couple things to be able to get the offense going. But now how do you take it to that next level? All right, Juice Wells, well, he's not here right now. Okay, what can we do to make up for that? We got Xavier Leggett, but who can we put on the backside of that? Who can we help to help Xavier, to help Spencer and all these guys, right? So I think those are the questions that obviously you ask yourself week in and week out on the coaching staff when you have your meeting each week as a staff. But when you're able to take that step back during the bye week, you're really able to focus more on yourself, especially the beginning half of the week before you turn your attention to the next opponent, which of course will be Florida. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. I think offensively more so defensively, I think it's just harder defensively right now. And I don't know, Mike, like correct me if I'm wrong. And it it might, I might be way off here, but um, to completely change up a defensive scheme midway through the year, um, you know, obviously if you change playbooks in the middle of the year, that's hard. But to make a tweak offensively versus changing things up based on what you've been repping out all summer and just your entire defensive philosophy, it seems a lot harder to do defensively, um, you know, to just change things up, your entire philosophy mid-year. What you do is – what you do is, and I think, unfortunately, it's it's not as simple as saying, like, this has been the main issue for South Carolina. Yeah. What you do is you start to simplify what you're doing from a defensive standpoint. Yeah. Maybe you're not blitzing as much. Maybe the coverages, they're not as – um, crazy in terms of, okay, you got a cloud coverage. And what that basically means is, you know, you're running cover two on one side. Uh, it's like basically cover six. So you got cover two on one side, cover three on the other side. So you're not doing things that are as, as uh, <clears throat> I know that sounds simple, but you're trying to simplify things, you know, um, maybe, you know, if your guys are getting beat from a man to man standpoint, or you feel like your guys are taking poor angles when it comes to the coverages, right. And just their angles in pursuit. Maybe you change it up and you play some zone more, you know, maybe. So I think these are the things that South Carolina, they're trying to figure out just like, you know, like we're, we're sitting here, we're talking about what USC could do. They don't have the luxury. I mean, OD fortune, he's been having, I mean, he's been playing well. Of course he's been banged up a little bit. You don't have the luxury of having a Cam Smith right now, right. Who's able to kind of play wherever you need him to do. Uh, I think Marcella style, he's been able to do some good things, but it's again, it's the consistent, consistency factor and although South Carolina has some good pass protection excuse me pass rush I'm all over the place right now pass rush the other game against Mississippi State they haven't been very consistent with it all season so when you're not having a strong pass rush it's not gonna be able to help out your secondary so I mean all these things go hand in hand with each other Um, linebacker play it's not just about stopping the run it's being able to defend the pass especially those crossing routes across the middle uh, or being able to to fly out there to the flats using that speed. These are the things that you have to ask yourself in the bye week. Okay, what can we do to put our guys in a better position to succeed based on, again, what we have to work with? Because maybe, yes, I want to go run this type of scheme from a defensive standpoint. And it's not that like you're going to overhaul everything. It's you're going to kind of streamline it. You're going to make it a little bit more simple. Um, I know one more question. We've got one more because I know Joe's got to get ready yep. to hit the stage and then we'll hit our ads and we'll yep. call it night. Absolutely. Guys. So, Big Red, are we as fans expecting too much out of our defense with lots of underclassmen out there? I mean, it's tough. Um, I mean, it's obviously you shouldn't expect a whole lot when you have upperclassmen or underclassmen out there. Um, but, I mean, for me to gauge this, 
in terms of say that you're expecting too much or too little. I don't think South Carolina is, is too far off necessarily. I mean, I think from what I'm seeing, the expectations are relatively realistic, but um, I wouldn't say you're, you're expecting too much or, or too little. I don't know, Mike, tricky question for me at least. I think it's one of those things where you want to at least be able to see progress made from week in to week out, right? Obviously, the competition, it changes things a little bit. It's not like you're going from, you know, uh, Mississippi State to Charlotte the next week, right? You went up against a good Tennessee offense. But you want to be able to see, whether it be offense, whether it be even um, – uh, excuse me, whether it be defense or even South Carolina's offense, regardless of the side of the ball, even special teams we can throw in there. You want to see some type of progress made. So specifically talking about the defense, we sit here, we talk about the same issues. It feels like every friggin' week outside of what they did against Furman and outside of what they did against Mississippi State. You want to see them do a better job of stopping the run. You want to see the defensive backs do a better job of being able to not just be in coverage and finish plays, but to me, one thing that stood out, and it's not saying that's happening every play, but it feels like it's happening more often than it should, just the pursue angles. Being able to take a good angle and a pass that maybe goes for two, three yards, even four yards sometimes. Being able to make the open field tackle instead of missing it and it bounces off for another 10 yards. Just these little things. So from an expectation standpoint, and I know Joe loves when I always make a 85 beers reference. No, they're not going to look like the 85 beers. No one's asking them to look like the 85 beers. But I don't think it's too much, even with the fact that, again, like we've talked about, the lack of depth, the injuries that have been piling up, the inexperience they have on defense. I don't think it's too much to ask to see progressions from this defense each week in some capacity, in some capacity. Again, going up against a good Tennessee team last week. They do good things on both sides of the football. But that doesn't mean, okay, game's over. It's not even show up. No, no, no. You have to be able to go out there and find ways to show that you're making improvements in those areas that we talked about. And that's been an issue for South Carolina. All right, intern Joe, let's hit those ads before you got to go take the stage. Absolutely. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, no. So first off, we got our sponsor, Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irma, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call on the tax team at Liberty Tax. They are fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, Talk to the Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through their desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, on your screen, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. Today's show is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond, who has been a longtime supporter of Gamecock Central as well as every one of these GC Live shows. Give them a call over at the Movement Mortgage if you're trying to find the best rate, right? And as you know right now, it's not too easy to buy the home with a great rate if you're in the process of trying to purchase a home. 
he can do what he did for our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth, and he can help you get that best rate. He can help make that process much easier for you. Try to limit those headaches. Give Clint a call at 803-771-6933. Well, we appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. Didn't get to everyone's questions, but uh, we apologize for that. But we appreciate everyone that sent in questions tonight and comments as well. We'll be back at it again next Tuesday, but be sure to catch Wes and Chris. They'll be at it again for GC Live tomorrow at 2, and then I'll be on on Thursday at 2 for the GC Live afternoon drive. Just a reminder, coordinators will not speak tomorrow since South Carolina is off this week, just like Shane Beamer and the players didn't speak today, but just to give people a reminder in case they are curious. He's in turn, Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate everyone that tuned in. Head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page if you want to watch this show in its entirety, or head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you can listen to the show and all of the other GC shows as well. Have yourself a good Tuesday night and enjoy the rest of the week and enjoy the bye week.